This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business, where we're putting the business back into the lady business. Today, I have a guest that is going to talk about all things, well, not all things, as much as we can fit in Web3 and crypto for the ladies, which I know is a big buzz topic all around the dinner tables. Today, we have Arielle Wengroff. She's the editor-in-chief of Ledger, and she's coming to us from Paris. So it's very exciting. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I feel very excited to be live from Paris I know, uh, right? in the evening. Yeah. Um, everyone should know that Ariel is one of the people who inspired me to do a podcast. She is one wow. of the first ones to call me and say that I needed to do it. So here it is, right? Comes full circle. Now she's on it. I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, I, I felt it then and I feel it now. You are a, a great conduit for people to learn, especially women. And it's important that they, they get it from someone who's such an expert. So you make people feel comfortable Aww. and important. Thank you. Aw. Well, with that, now let's talk about you. Let's talk about what, what you're doing now. What is Ledger? Um, tell us all about that first. So Ledger is the world's uh, global leading security platform for digital assets. And what that means is it started in 2014 with a hardware wallet called a Ledger Nano. And it's expanded to have a suite of products that range from hardware, software to firmware, where basically if you're interacting with Web3, it keeps your product secure. Um, it, it keeps your assets secure. So I don't know how familiar you are with crypto and with Web3, but I can kind of treat it as if the audience is less familiar. Yeah, let's do 101. It, let's, okay. that, that's really what, you know, we will we'll probably call this a 101. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's pretend it's 1998 and yeah. we're at the beginning of the internet. A lot of the time when you would be logging in, I'm sure everyone kind of remembers that AOL noise when you're just hoping your modem made everything get you where you want to go. We are in that phase of Web3. Right now, we have mainstream curiosity, not mainstream adoption. Mm -hmm. And what that means is if you're purchasing crypto, if you're participating on a blockchain, there's no take backs. If you push a button and you hit send or you, know, you, you click on a link, you can't uh, mitigate human error or people that are trying to spam you. So the best thing that you can do is provide as many mechanisms as possible to reduce that human error. Mm -hmm. And that's what Ledger does. Our hardware wallet makes it so that it's virtually impossible 
to hack. I mean, we truly have the best and most secure product in the world. And we actually secure more than 15% of the world's global crypto through our devices. And then you can interact with that through Ledger Live. So we're growing to really become the global platform for digital assets in Web3. Um, and if you've seen you know, NFTs everywhere and all of these transactions happening, the transactions that have happened on NFTs over the last couple of quarters, which is billions of dollars, have all been unsecure transactions. So I'm here as editor-in-chief to really, A, try to get the ledger story more known and mm -hmm. understood by the broader audience, but also to make sure that as people are learning, it feels like an inclusive and open space where people have an opportunity to be educated first and then participate second, because we want you to have a healthy and successful journey. And we don't want it to just be the people you would expect to show up at the table. We want it to be women. We want it to be people with different backgrounds, people with different languages. Um, we want it to be a truly global and inclusive experience. So you were saying that Web3 is like 1998 for our, our AOL modem. So what is the projections of when that's going to be adopted more widely? Well, what's amazing is that Web3 moves so much faster than Web2 did because we have Web2. So we have the internet, we have these devices that we carry around with us all day long, which are basically mini computers in our pocket. We point have to the um, iPhone, by the way, if anybody was wondering. <laughs> yes, sorry, point to the yeah, iPhone. And, yeah. you know, and I think, so the reality is, is it'll be really fast. Like it'll be as fast as people start to participate. And I think that's actually what's really interesting about like blockchain in general and chains is when people are making predictions about something like a Bitcoin, the reality is, is Bitcoin is as secure as the number of people who are participating in it. The security of the server is actually usage versus traditional institutions, which it's actually more like bedrocks and regulation and, you know, all of these traditional financial tools that make it so that it's secured and insured. We're not in that phase with Web3. So we're really at, at those initial stages. And that's why that security is so important. Um, but, you know, what, what Web3 will be in five years will be so much more comprehensive than what it was for Web2 in 2003 for that like kind of jump example. So how do you, I mean, how does it exist? How do you log on to it? What, what do you do to participate in Web3? Well, I think what's important to kind of pull back for people is even when we use this word metaverse, right? People are like, what is that? Does that mean that I fully live in a virtual reality? Yeah. Do I have to become Mark Zuckerberg to exist? It's like, no, you and me doing this podcast interview through Zoom is a metaverse. You know, we talk on video calls, we text, we do all of these things that are these digital interactions that didn't exist a generation ago. And that is really what we're talking about when we talk about this sort of like integral integration of how we live our lives. It's that digital memories and digital existence has just as much weight and value mm -hmm. as our physical memories and existence. And so I think that's important because it's not like, you know, you unlock something and you've entered into Ready Player One. We play with different pieces of it all the time, right. but cryptocurrencies and the different coins and tokens that are associated with that are part of Web3. The, the chains are as well. And I think when you think about Web3, it's just important to think about like decentralization is also a big part of that for most people that are interested in DeFi. And that's about really giving choice back to the individual, um, whether it's financial or other services. I know I was telling somebody last night, I was like, my kids have been participating in the metaverse for years now. And they're like, what are you talking about? I go, they play Roblox. Like yeah, exactly. 
they they're in there they're like buying stuff and and the matter and they haven't and at first i was like oh i'm not gonna pay for things i mean we're talking dollars right you know like a dollar yeah. like a couple of dollars i'm not gonna buy anything that's not tangible and i was like wait a minute i don't want anything tangible we have enough crap in this and like i don't need another piece of plastic for two dollars if they want to buy you know the unicorn bunny for two dollars so they can play at a higher level then what do i care you know um yeah. and eventually you'll be able to take that unicorn bunny and use it in another game because it'll yeah. be something that they can retain over time or they'll create a character like when I played the Sims when I was younger and that character will be something that they can you know buy like artifact you know a deal that was announced yesterday where Nike acquired them and they can put their um, artifact you know Nike sneakers on that they bought that they'll never own a physical version of they'll just right. own a version of digitally right exactly a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around that though. You know, it's like living in the digital yeah. world, but because we already are so much and it was so fast tracked with COVID that um, is a great way to say it. Like we are already, we're in the metaverse right now. You and I having this on zoom when you're in Paris and I'm in New York and we're sitting there and we can see each other. It's not right. just on the phone. Right. I mean, the metaverse saved us during COVID in yes. the sense that we actually got to communicate with the people that we love and appreciate. Where it feels prohibitive is when we use language like the metaverse that makes it seem like it's something that's really far away and complicated exactly. to understand. If we just said like, oh, this is a tool that lets me speak to people in a different way. And this is what's, what's interesting about you know Web3, which is what got me excited about it, is it's actually an opportunity for individuals to have ownership again in a way that's different. Uh, you know, like if I think about so much of the work that you do or the work that you've done around protecting individuals' rights around their IP and what they own and, and how they progress as an artist, Web3 is really interesting because it's saying, no, like you actually get to retain the value of your work from the start. And that's why the education is so important. It really, it reintroduces choice and it fundamentally changes the way that businesses have to think about their revenue streams because advertising dollars predicated on data is no longer inherently an option. In right. these new structures. So there's like different layers of complexity to introduction. But I would say if you're listening to this and you have not participated in any crypto or Web3 and you find it totally overwhelming, what I would say is it's not going anywhere. And that's why you see like Reese Witherspoon buying NFTs and Shonda Rhimes and all these people. It's like, okay, sit down, take a deep breath. Like you can go, you can go to ledger.com or you can go to whatever is your choice and get a wallet and, and spend like $20 or there are free NFTs online and just go through the process of what it feels like for you. Mm -hmm. Because at some point you will have to do it. And it's, it's only an advantage to learn about these new tools that are starting to emerge in our ecosystem. Because it's like when um, everyone said, oh, go talk to the person who understands what social media is. Right. I would, it's, it's, it's not yes. that far off in that way, you know? Exactly. And then everybody got really into it and people built businesses on it. And then these businesses changed one algorithm and their businesses were gone. Yeah. And in this system, it's not about an algorithm. You're right. building in a really open source way. Like developers that are creating have very open source roadmaps, um, but that's predicated on privilege, right? You have to understand coding. You have to understand engineering. You have to be in a space enough where you can share. But I think one thing that's really interesting and different that I've seen within Web3 is 
there's a huge amount of information and skill sharing that I don't see or that I haven't seen in like the web two world. Um, people really want other people to learn. They want them to be a part of it. They understand that it's hard. There's a ton of free and emerging educational resources. It's a great extracurricular, honestly, even if you don't want to spend any money or you don't have any extra money to spend, or you think NFTs are stupid. Like it's worth just saying like, Hey, I'm going to take 15 minutes out of my time to look this up. Right. And look it up. All right. So you you're living in Web3 and then within the system of Web3 is crypto, right? Yes. Am I saying, and by the way, I'm no expert, so not even close. So uh, correct me if I'm saying all the wrong stuff, because I'm sure I am. No, <laughs> explain, you're, you're absolutely explain right. what that means. Yeah. So there's, there's Web3, which I would really think about it as like Web3 is the solar system. And crypto is some of the planets in the solar system, because within crypto, there's things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana and Cardano. And these are basically things that you're investing in or spending money in because you believe in what they stand for. It's kind of interesting, right? Because if you're part of a nation state and we have money in US dollars, or I'm in Paris right now, so I have euros, I'm spending money because that's the currency that's accepted in that place. And I haven't really thought about much more than that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not necessarily like when I spend 10 US dollars, I'm saying I believe in the US dollar and what it stands for. Whereas in Web3, when you're using these cryptocurrencies and you're using Ethereum, you believe in what Ethereum is building as a project. And when you transact, you pay a tax, which is called a gas fee. And that goes back to the development and maintenance of that thing. So each one of these stands for something different, which is why you see sometimes that people who support Bitcoin have a very different philosophy than individuals that might be supporting Cardano. Um, and I would also say something to think about within this is, depending on the country that you live in, your need state could be very different. So if you live in Brazil you have a, and, and you're of a certain age, you might have a very uh, personal relationship to inflation. Mm -hmm. And having more money in crypto gives you more agency and control over the things that you've worked for than you feel comfortable with your government. Whereas individuals in the States might not have that experience. They might now because inflation is going up, but not so significantly where you got to see a Big Mac go from $5 to $35, right? right? And so you can have a different entry point at this stage in the game based on your personal experiences. Right. And then, uh, so talk a little bit more about what it stands for. Like, you know, what does that mean exactly with Bitcoin versus Ethereum versus Cardano? Yeah. I mean, these are all different tools of, of which we build on. I mean, you find that a lot of digital assets are on Ethereum. Um, there are certain networks like a, like a chain like Tezos, which is known to be a bit more environmentally friendly. They have um, opportunities that are- cryptocurrency. Tezos is a, ch a blockchain. A blockchain, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And it, it allows you to purchase NFTs that might be a little bit cheaper. Um, and an NFT, for those who don't know, st stands for non-fungible token, which is like such a horrible description. Um, I wish all of these words were better. I think we should just kind of throw some of them out. I can say that because this isn't like a full crypto audience, but it's like, it makes it so much harder to understand. Whereas if you're just in it, like from, from Ledger's perspective, we're a part of it because we believe in the freedom that Web3 offers and we want to provide the security 
that users deserve. We don't take any data. We don't know anything about our consumers other than their holders of crypto. Um, and we don't think we should. We want to provide choice back to the individual. And we've seen from, you know, protesters in Hong Kong to people who want abortions in Texas to, you know, individuals in Afghanistan, like everyone is, is dealing with different, really hard choices. And if you had more access to choice around your finances or communication tools, you might actually have been able to have different outcomes for you and your family's lives. And so right now, the conversation is centered around this initial stage of money, because so many people have made this like fast money with digital assets. But the actual reality of the conversation is about the future of how we exist and work and thrive and who has choice in that, right? Um, and so it's it's really interesting philosophical kind of debates right now in it. Because um, you, you could be at that, you could be at one level or you could be having a totally different conversation within it. Um, I know I'm like sitting here going, I'm not even sure if I'm completely grasping all of that. You know, <laughs> it's like, can you give an example, though, if people are still having a hard time, like grasping the difference between Web 2 and Web 3 and the choices? Is there a tangible example that you can use to say the difference of how we don't have a choice versus having a choice? Yeah, I would say more. It's like with Web 2, if you use Facebook um, outside of GDPR regulations, you know, there's so much information and data that they have around you. Right. Or when you're working with a site, it's just assumed that they get to cut. It's more just that in Web 2, how it progressed, it started similar in that Web 2 was about like um, providing more access to free information for individuals. That was what it was about, right? Like shared learning. Um, and it became that the monetary value is around extracting information. So it's not like you don't have a choice to live your life using the internet. It's just that by using the internet, things get absorbed from your personal information, which, you know, people will say like, my phone's listening to me or something. Yes, exactly. You know, Uh, something and next thing you know. Right. And it shows up, right. Like, yeah, we'll have to do a test afterwards and see if something shows up. But in Web3, it's that. Ledger. Exactly. Ledger. Ledger. Yeah. See, I know. (laughs) Tell me because in, in Web3, you just, you just have choice. It's not a radical difference in your life. It's like, You know, and some people aren't going to Ledger, maybe they're going to Coinbase, which is a partner of ours, or maybe they're going to Binance. And so right now it's a much more financial conversation. Um, And if you look at Web3 sites, a lot of the user interface feels like early Web2 internet because they're building from the start again. Um, I feel like, uh, I hope it didn't get too, too meta. But really, the, the difference between... I don't know how it can't get yeah. too meta when you're talking about these things because it's difficult and complicated and you just have to do like, you know, you just have to continue to listen to these things and finally for it to sink in. So, yeah, exactly. You know, you just have to say, like, I'm a curious person and I want to try to understand. And I think it's so important for especially a female audience to make that active choice because they're typically left out of financial conversations or behind or are wondering. And this is an opportunity to be a part of something where most of the definitions are still evolving. You really get to choose to be a part of something that you can actually have a severe impact in the beginning of. So like women that are listening should, or non-binary, whatever, should learn, they should Google, they should experiment, they should get involved. Um, 
there's no downside to, to learning. No, that's true. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is because, you know, there's all this vernacular when it comes around finance and business that was, you know, created by men, usually around sports or things that like that we don't, that, that just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? And, and so like to get in there and try to understand what everything is. So it's a really important point to say that like, this is all, it's all being, created right now. So it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's been around forever and you're like, oh, you're just figuring it out. People are talking about it, but not everybody is adopting it or experiencing it right now. Right. It's a learning. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say too, like, you know, the loudest voices on Twitter aren't necessarily always the representative voices. And that's why it's important for more people to get involved. Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. And, but I will say that people within crypto, like I said before, are very skill sharing. Yeah. So they will they will try to help you. And there are some really interesting cultural things emerging, like with DAOs, you know, which are um, these organizations that are decentralized. And there's one group called Friends with Benefits that's gotten huge and that has really interesting creatives who are helping each other and building. Um, there's another what, one that was a DAO. Of, so a DAO is a decentral. Basically, the way I would look at it is like. A DAO is a decentralized organization as if it's like you're part of a horizontal friend group, mm-hmm. but you all get to vote and make decisions together and you can't move forward unless you all are. It's as if your community that you were in was a public company mm-hmm. and you're all equal shareholders mm-hmm. and you get tokens for being a part of it. And depending on how many tokens you get, that might weigh in how much you know influence you have, but you have to be an active member. And it could be around different topics. It can be around different themes, but you vote and your decisions have a direct outcome on that group. Um, But it can be positioned towards anything. And how do you get to be a part of a DAO? Well, it depends on the DAO, but you typically have to um, like get a token of the DAO. And so that could be Skillshare, that could be monetary. Mm-hmm. That could be, it could be many different things. You know, even in Wyoming, um, there's a city that's experimenting with actually having some DAO structures within it. So we're seeing, you know, cities in the US do this with friends with benefits. You do, you pay to get tokens and you have to basically use tokens to participate in things. But then the more you participate, um, the more important it is that you're an active user. So I would say it's like, so here's what I would say would be a great example of something that should be a DAO. Mm-hmm. The Kardashian family should be a DAO <laughs> because these individuals go out, they're fans, they support them, they spend tons of money. This happens with brands all the time. But the people that are the consumers don't get anything back for being a participant, right? right? They get a little bit of access, maybe if they feel like they follow them on social and once in a while someone does a video and they feel like, oh my God, I got unique access to them. But if they were part of a DAO and they actually were spending on a drop and maybe that community even weighed in on like a couple of the marketing materials before the drop happened, then them making that drop successful gives them money back in their pockets because the DAO grows in value when something that the DAO produces does well. And then they'd probably go and spend more of that money on that person or that brand because they're fans. And so it's really like there's this phase of direct consumer that we saw that was all about community. And the reality is, is it was one to many. 
and you didn't really know who most of that community was because no one knows who like beauty lover 714 is on Instagram. Right. But a DAO is real accountability community and it's accountability for the structure that you're building. Because if you don't maintain what you're doing, that DAO could just fall apart. Right. So everybody has a responsibility. Yeah. With it. I mean, it's like student body. It's like student governance in its most basic form to be honest. Right. But you can make, it's a real thing and it's, and it's where it's going. Because if you think about by, I mean, listen, you're a lawyer, you know, business, you know, bylaws and all of these things. It was invented like 150, 200 years ago by a few white dudes that had no idea where our world was going. Right. Why would we think that those structures should fit the businesses and creator led economies that we're moving towards now? True. And once again, this is why women need to learn about it because this is an economic opportunity for them and other individuals to be leading at a time when it could be extraordinarily valuable. And it's similar, like we're talking about sort of like for-profit ecosystems, but it's quite true as well in the nonprofit sector. So it's really an opportunity also. And And the reason why I used FWB as an example is because they did so well that when they decided to raise money recently, the investors that wanted to give them money had to pitch to their community Mm -hmm. and the community got to ask the investors questions and they had to be very present. And at the end of the day, they negotiated through the community and the community ended up um, getting to be a part of the final yes or no. And it completely shifted the dynamic of why you would let someone in to something that's of value. Whereas typically it's the other way, way around. And so I just think from like a, from an institutional perspective, it's really encouraging. Right. So instead of operating out of you know scarcity, where it's like, oh, we really need this investor to want us, they turned it around and said, get, tell us why we should let you invest in us. Yeah. And retaining rights. Right. And so if somebody really wants to get into crypto and women want to get into crypto, like, how do you know? Because there's so, we hear about so much volatility, right? Like Bitcoin was nothing, you know, whatever, 15 years ago now, you know, then it was like 11,000 two years ago. And now it got, it went up to 60, you know, and 35, like, how do we know where to, like put our money or, or will it ever, you know, balance, like even out is, is the volatility always going to be there? I mean, I know it's a really big question to ask, but. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start it by saying I can't give financial advice, but what I will say no, 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 is. I'm not asking you no, about that. But, but like- no, 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 I know. But I'm just saying, what I'm saying is that here's what I would say. If you're getting into crypto because you want to learn, you want to experiment, start with the amount that you feel comfortable losing. Right. So you know, if that's a hundred dollars, if that's 50, yeah, exactly. And so, and then you can see, right? Like, yes, Bitcoin dropped, but Bitcoin's not at zero. Very unlikely that it's ever going to go back that way. Ethereum, similar. Some of these, uh, some of these other ones, similar. And with NFTs, there are amazing women-led groups like World of Women or Boss Beauties. And there are really fun ones emerging. Um, like I think it's called like crypto mavens or crypto witches or something. And these are great ways to learn because you, you buy an NFT and then you join that discord and it's a community of people that are suddenly there to help you explore. So you can also like, you can't ever, you can't ever shirk volatility because volatility is actually inherent to crypto. Yeah. But what you can say is I understand that 
this amount of money is going to teach me something, whether or not I make money off of it. It's an investment in yourself. Right. I love that, which is exactly what we want women to do. We want them to invest in themselves and to build more wealth around themselves so we can have more power, right? You can't do that unless you get in the game. Yeah. And it's like, it's so early on, like that you can really have, uh, you know, if you learn the faster you learn, the faster you get into it, you know, and women, I think are just starting to enter into this area. Yes. I think that's true. And, and I say to people that talk about holiday gifts this year, I'm like, outside of donating to an organization, if you can, you should give your friends and family a little bit of money to buy an NFT or to experiment in crypto. Because again, to what you said, we're very early. We're just at the beginning. And the more that you can laugh on your face in front of your friends and family about it, the more you're going to learn. And then you're going to help, you know, two or three other friends. And then you're not going to be left behind. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, women not feeling stupid about asking each other questions about it, you know, and feeling like in a safe space because, you know, we often feel like we have to be 110% prepared in order to do anything. So yeah, if you take that small amount of money. And you can't be in crypto. That's the blessing. You can't be, don't be worried about making mistakes. We always say, especially because we're a security led business, the best thing you can do is actually sit back and take a deep breath and think like, what am I hitting send to? Um, is there someone I can ask? Crypto moves so fast. It's not nine to five. It's not like the stock market. Exactly. And so we joke about this thing of like JOMO, which is joy of missing out, Yeah, you know? And so it's okay. Like just, you know, take it slow. Right. And then one last thing, cause I know that you are very busy and again, it's late there um, regarding like the physical wallets, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that's necessary so people can understand Great question. Um, The hardware wallets are so important because think about your mailbox. Anyone can send you public mail and sometimes you're happy to receive it. Sometimes you're not, but they can put that in there and they can't take your mail out. Your private mailbox key is what lets you take your mail out of your mailbox. In crypto, you have a seed phrase and that phrase protects your assets on the blockchain. And the best thing you can do because of vulnerabilities and scammers and human error is you can keep your private key off the blockchain. And what Ledger does is it's almost like that two-factor authenticator that keeps your key off the blockchain. It's generated within the device. You have apps within the device that are things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And it makes it so that anytime you want to do a transaction, you want to buy something, you want to send it, you have to authorize it through your hardware wallet. And that means that you are basically outside of your own personal human error mitigating any risk of hacking, which in the world of crypto right now is huge. Mm -hmm. And eventually, because Ledger is really that secure tool, you know, we're starting with things like transactions, but we just announced that we actually have a card that's coming so that you can spend your crypto really seamlessly that'll launch in Q1. Um, We'll have the ability so that you can view and store your NFTs within your Ledger Live app, which means that it takes away blind signing which means that inherent risk, we're just basically reducing risk factors. And then ultimately it means that, you know, we'll be able to do things that allow you probably also to, you know, protect your identity and choose what you share about yourself. Like when you go to a website and it's like, are you 21? And you say, yes. Right. You know, it's like, so it's incredibly important to have a hardware wallet because if you have a wallet that's on the chain, you are not safe. You are not as secure as you can be. And if, if you Google scams, if you Google hacks, There are some that happen every single day 
And everyone that happens hurts the whole community. So it's really about protecting yourself and trusting yourself to make these choices. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I'm sure that everyone's going to have a lot more questions after this because it's like so complicated. So if people want to find you and find um, the answers to a lot of this, where can they do that? Yeah. So if you go to ledger.com, you can find our academy, which has hundreds of pieces of content to help educate you. And if you have any questions for me or you want to follow up, I'm just a Wengroff on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and I'm also happy to have my email in the description or whatever. We're, we're an open book. We can do like a, a Zoom session for listeners if they want like a one-on-one yeah. class or something oh, like amazing. that for sure. Amazing. All right. Well, I always ask everybody this one last question. And that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received? My God. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot out there. I think. I know there's really a lot of bad advice. I feel like the worst advice I've ever received is to wait to share your opinion. I actually think that's true because a lot of the times if you have a gut instinct, it's right. And you're in your role at your job for a reason. So the things that you usually hold your tongue about in a constructive way are typically the things you're cleaning up later. And so it's much better to uh, make your position versus kind of sitting back and assuming that it's, it's not worth their space. Um, yeah. So or that somebody else has the same one and then they get credit for it. You know, totally Which happens yeah, all exactly. the time. Happens all the time. Happens right. all the time. You know, the whispers that you tell your friends on Slack are not the things that anyone's ever going to get credit for. So, yeah. right. It's so true. I love that. Uh, thank you so much for starting off thank you. segment of ours for crypto, Web3, everything. It's super complicated, but it's super important. And I'm really excited for women to learn more and get into it more. I mean, I've barely dabbled myself, so I need to as well. And so this like is a big kick in the ass for me too. So thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And we'll we'll get you a ledger and then you can kind of live share your experiences. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, um, good. Amazing. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you for tuning into this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs>